It's Robin Upsall, politics reporter at the Des Moines Register, back with another episode of Three Tickets, the Register's podcast about presidential caucuses in Iowa. This episode, originally produced in 2016, focuses on U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley's annual 99-county trek across Iowa, known as the Full Grassley. As of mid-December 2019, only former Maryland Representative John Delaney has been to every county in Iowa during this caucus cycle, according to his campaign and register records. We also have an informal competition going on in the newsroom to see who can report the most counties. I think right now Chief Politics Reporter Brianne Fonenstiel leads the pack. Most of this episode withstands the test of time, but I'll still be back at the end to update a few things. Enjoy. Welcome to Three Tickets, the Des Moines Register's podcast of Iowa caucuses history and culture. I'm Jason Noble. In this series, we're meeting the people and hearing the stories behind Iowa's first in the nation caucuses, the pretty amazing but sort of absurd political contests that have led off the presidential nominating process for the last five decades. In this particular episode, I want to explore the importance of being there. Any Iowan, any politician, any presidential candidate will tell you that being there is essential to Iowa's political character and a requirement for candidates competing in the caucuses. To get some sense of what I mean, here's Governor Terry Branstad. I literally walked up to him, all but interrupted an interview he was giving on the state budget, and asked what advice he'd give to a presidential candidate. Come to Iowa early and often, Go to all 99 counties, meet the people, answer their questions, share with the people of Iowa your vision. and That's what I mean by being there. And for Branstad, a six-term governor who knows something about Iowa political culture, it's basically a reflexive answer. Politics is personal in Iowa. For decades, campaigning here has meant seeking out Iowans in their coffee shops and libraries, at the fairgrounds and on the courthouse square, across all 99 counties, from the Missouri to the Mississippi. Being there means meeting Iowans face-to-face, shaking hands and kissing babies and posing for selfies, and making all those expected gestures at intimacy. But even more importantly, it means imparting an authentic sense of character. It's about sharing your perspective with people and making a genuine effort at hearing theirs. But why? Why is that such a big deal in the context of a presidential campaign? Why is being there so important to Iowans? Coming up next on C-SPAN, we take you live to Iowa. Iowa. (laughs) Hello, Iowa. In the state of Iowa. I'm back. I love Iowa a whole lot. Tomorrow, Iowa. I've got some first-hand experience with being there. Back in 2011, I covered Michelle Bachman's presidential campaign, which was totally dependent on Iowa and totally committed to grassroots politicking here. After she finished a disappointing sixth place on caucus night, she quit the race the next day. I followed Bachman through something like 90 of Iowa's 99 counties. The only day I came off the trail was to celebrate my first wedding anniversary. And across all those events, I saw at a very granular level the way candidates court Iowans. 
Bachman held events at your standard town square coffee shops and roadside diners, but also at bars and bowling alleys, evangelical churches, high schools, a meat locker, and a sock factory, and 20 pizza ranches. I've been to at least 20 pizza ranches with Michelle Bachman. What I remember from it all is her effort to connect, to find some common thread with every person she met, and to win them over with her personality as much as her policies. Take this, for example, from the speech in which she announced her candidacy in Waterloo. I'm a descendant of generations of Iowans, and I know what it means to be from Iowa. I know what we value here, and I know what's important. Those are the values that helped to make Iowa, as my mother used to tell me, the breadbasket of the world. It obviously didn't work out for Bachman, but her approach typifies political engagement in Iowa. In other places, candidates introduce themselves at big rallies and with TV ads. Making a connection with voters is a wholesale mass media effort. That's not how it is in Iowa. In Iowa, it really does happen person by person, diner by diner, county by county. Now, I can tell you all that, but I think the best way to understand the importance of being there is to actually go there. So I went out on the road with this guy. How are you doing? That's Chuck Grassley, Iowa's longtime senior U.S. senator and a vessel for Iowa political culture since, well, forever. Grassley may not have invented it, but he definitely popularized the personal political style I'm talking about, this notion of meeting people where they are and constantly being accessible to them. He visits all 99 counties every year, and he's done it every year since he was first elected to the Senate in 1980. That act of political wanderlust is now imitated by Governor Branstad, newly elected Senator Joni Ernst, and numerous caucus candidates. But it's so identified with him that it's been named after him. The Full Grassley. Noun. The act of visiting all 99 Iowa counties in a single calendar year or political campaign cycle. I joined Grassley on a day devoted to visiting high schools in Forest City, Algona, and Britt, covering about 100 miles of state highway and checking three northern Iowa counties off his list for the year. Events at high schools are relatively rare, he told me, but critical to eliciting a wide range of viewpoints, as he told each audience we visited. If you wonder what I might be doing at a high school instead of at uh, uh, your courthouse or your uh, or city hall where I hold town meetings. This was at Forest City, our first stop of the day. I never get anybody your age to come to my town meeting, so, <laughs> so if I want to know what's on the mind of young people like you, I have to come here. Still, the fact that we visited three high schools apparently worried Grassley that I'd think he was cherry-picking his audiences. When we got into the car to drive from Forest City to Algona, he handed me a typewritten sheet listing every venue at which he'd spoke in Winnebago, Kasuth, and Hancock counties for the last four years. I can safely report that Grassley is not ducking the tough questions in north-central Iowa. In addition to the high schools, he's held seven town meetings, toured three businesses, spoke to one Lions Club, and one Rotary. There's really nothing flashy about a Grassley Town Hall meeting. Someone introduces him, he gets up, talks about the importance of a dialogue between constituents and their representatives, 
and then he takes questions. At the end, if reporters stick around, he takes their questions too. He has this line that he delivers an ad-libbed version of at every step. Uh, that reminds it goes me something that, like uh, this. When I come to answer your questions or to listen to a point of view you want to give me, I do that in the spirit of representative government. I'm one half of that process. Uh, all of my constituents in Iowa, including you folks, are the other half. And I think I That's have it. An That's Chuck Grassley's thesis statement on the importance of being there. It can yield some interesting results. At our first two stops, at Forest City High School and then Bishop Garrigan Catholic High School in Algona, the kids had clearly done their homework. They asked him about everything from the minimum wage to ISIS to his top priorities in the Judiciary Committee to this. Can you describe your typical day in the Senate? Yeah, I wish you'd ask me a shorter question, <laughs> but that's okay, because that's a, that's a question I often get. Grassley is sort of maniacal about taking questions and answering them. His staff keeps lists of everything he's asked at every stop. He showed them to me in the car, a sheaf of papers falling out of a beat-up blue folder. And you can feel the charge he gets out of responding to an audience. Well, what do you think of that? <laughs> they really had a lot of so what's the value in all that? How does it help him to be a U.S. senator? I asked him. What else do you get out of it? How, does, how do these interactions inform your governing? Well, I try to explain to people, you know, it's kind of an unsophisticated way of uh, doing things. But you, you, you got to know what's on your constituents' minds. You, and that's by uh, mail and phone and people coming to Washington talking to you and things your family picks up for you and all that. But you also got to consider what your constituents have in mind. Now, there is, of course, a political dimension to being accessible as well. Being very conspicuously present in your constituents' hometowns is just good politics, especially when your day job, or the job you want, is in Washington, D.C. When I was in politics before going to the United States Senate, uh, I got tired of hearing people say, how come we never see you? Now, there's still, there's still thousands of people that say they never see me. But if I can say I've been to every corner of the state uh, over 34 years now and at the end of this week I'll be in 40 counties this year they can't it's pretty difficult to say that isn't it according to Grassley the secret of his political success has been his basic credibility his willingness to tell it like it is I think people see that in me the more they see me person to person and uh and I think uh, my people having personal contact with me as opposed to just TV is best evidenced by quite occasionally somebody said, if they see me for the first time, or you're younger than I thought you were, <laughs> or you're more friendly than I thought you were. So that means I'm a sourpuss on television. <laughs> that reminded me of something Jerry Crawford told me and helps bring this discussion back around to the Iowa caucuses. Crawford is a big Democratic lawyer in Des Moines and a Clinton guy now, but the photos on the wall in his office go all the way back to Hubert Humphrey. He worked for John Kerry's presidential campaign in 2004, and he told me a story about how connecting with Iowans helped Kerry out of a funk that looked like it was going to imperil his candidacy. Kerry's Iowa team 
led by a guy named John Norris, spent a lot of time building a strong caucus organization in 2003, Crawford told me. But, but as we sort of hit the Thanksgiving marker on the calendar um, before the caucuses early the following year, he was just stalled. Uh, and there wasn't anything that the organization John Norris had built could do to sort of kick him forward. And This was during the period in the 04 campaign when Howard Dean appeared to be catching fire in the Democratic race. And John Edwards seemed to be gaining momentum, too. One issue for Kerry, the campaign realized, was that he was coming across as kind of detached from the audiences he was courting in Iowa. John Kerry's one of my favorite people I've ever worked for. Very smart guy. Was doing a very good job. He was very disciplined. He was very hardworking. Never complained. But it was more of more of sort of a presentation style, and it was less interactive and less intimate with the people he was meeting. And so we... Blame it on his senatorial bearing or his Massachusetts background or his famously ponderous speaking style. Whatever the case, the solution Crawford hit on was to draw more deeply on the substantial time he was spending in Iowa and emphasize the personal connections he was making with Iowans. And so we made a suggestion to him that he start telling stories everywhere he went about the place he'd just been. And he became a storytelling machine. And by the time the caucuses were held, you would have thought he was from here. Um, And he felt better about the connection he was making and the audiences felt better and the campaign took off. Um, That's what Grassley's talking about. Being there makes you human. It gives you a connection to voters that they just can't get on TV or in the papers. According to Grassley, that need for a personal connection is fundamental to the Iowa character. Being there, then, demonstrates an understanding and deference to Iowa's ideological makeup. Being there acknowledges very real cultural values, openness, transparency, authenticity. And in a contest where winning depends on motivating people to go argue politics with their neighbors on a cold night in February, that can go a long way. Very definitely, over three decades, Iowans have become so uh, used to people coming here regularly that maybe just coming regularly isn't a particular benefit, but if you didn't show up, uh, forget it. You know, they hold it against you. So you got to do it. Doesn't mean you have to do the full grassley, yeah. but you got to show a lot of attention to Iowa. It's almost more defensive. You, yeah. you may not help yourself by being here all the time, but you'll hurt yourself if you don't. Yes, definitely. Okay. Okay, but what about when Rick Santorum goes out to Wayne County, population 6,400, and holds an event where five people show up? as I saw him do back in 2011. Is that really valuable? Did that really make a difference for him on caucus night? Or is that just political myth-making? I wouldn't be a senator if I didn't hold meetings in 79 and 80 where only five people showed up. Yeah, it's very important. Well, all right. My interviews with Grassley conducted mostly in the backseat of his staffer's Oldsmobile Alero, as we shuttled from high school to high school in northern Iowa, went a long way toward explaining why Iowans value and demand such a personal style of politics. But I also found the answer by watching him work his crowds and observing the unscripted moments of the day. 
here's what I discovered. Iowans desire, maybe above all else, authenticity from their leaders. That's great for Chuck Grassley, because he's totally 100% authentic. He's either totally 100% authentic, or he's the Marlon Brando of American politics. And he's been flawlessly method acting the role of an earnest Iowan for the last 81 years. For instance, after that town hall in Forest City, we rode to Algona, and it was getting to be around noon, and, and the conversation turned to lunch. Where do you like to eat when you're on the road? Usually a, a fast food place. Yeah. And, uh, I like to get my ice cream at uh, Dairy Queen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Grassley's love for Dairy Queen is an internet meme come to life. Maybe you remember back in 2014 how he blew up Twitter when he tweeted that, and I'm quoting, the Windsor Heights Dairy Queen is a good place for you-know-what. He later clarified that the you-know-what he was referring to was ice cream. Iowa's 81-year-old senior U.S. senator loves ice cream, and he tweets about it. It's something about him that's just too idiosyncratic to be anything but real. You've got a half hour, do you want to eat a Dairy Queen? Or... That's Jason Moore, a staffer in Grassley's Cedar Falls office. Yeah. Do you, do you have one? Yeah. But we got to make sure we can get served fast. What yeah. time is it? It's 12 o'clock. Yeah, I'll bet we might not get served fast. We can look at it, find out. You want to do that? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Oh, there, you get down. Get down. In a quarter mile. No, I'm thinking of Humboldt. I don't know where the Dairy Queen is in this town. Or there's McDonald's. Well, then we better take the one that's closest. If it was Humboldt, the Dairy Queen would be right there. We don't even know if they got a Dairy Queen in this town, do we? Yeah, they do. It's it's not. That to me sums up Chuck Grassley as well as anything. The U.S. Senator with a mental map of Iowa Dairy Queen locations in his head. A little faulty though it may be. What you see is what you get. That unselfconscious authenticity came across in every interaction I saw with Grassley that day. Algona does have a Dairy Queen, but it was a bit too far off the highway for us to stay on schedule, so we ended up at a McDonald's. Grassley ordered a cheeseburger and then stole french fries from his aide, Jason Moore. As we were eating, Grassley casually mentioned that he'd hired Jason after meeting him in a Walmart parking lot. I'm told that both of those things, stealing french fries and hiring a nice Iowa kid literally off the street, are classic Grassley. While we were there, a lady came up to Grassley and urged him to run again. I didn't hear the conversation, but he told me about it afterward. That one woman that came up as you were coming back to the table, Mm -hmm. she says, I hope you never retire. (laughs) She she probably doesn't realize I'm 81 years old. 81 years old or not, Grassley is planning to run again for a seventh term in 2016. These interactions are the essence of Grassley's political appeal. He's built a 56-year career in public office on the notion that you might run into him at the Algona McDonald's, and that if you do, he'll answer any question you throw at him. Iowans value that. They must. 
I also saw it at our last stop of the day, at West Hancock High School in Britt. It was getting later into the afternoon, and the kids were punchy and ready to be out of school. It became clear, too, that they hadn't been prepped for an extended question time with a U.S. senator, like the students from the earlier schools had. The first four questions were about legalizing marijuana. How do you feel about the legalization of marijuana? Why are you against recreational marijuana? What about cannabis oil? If it was legal, how would it be regulated? Grassley's answers were dryly comprehensive, ranging from the gateway drug theory to medical research to the FDA approval process to pre-World War II use of hemp in rope production. And rather than expressing exasperation at the repetitive questions, Grassley worried that he wasn't being comprehensive enough. If I, if I wasn't clear on that, at this point, I would not legalize marijuana for recreational purposes. That was what I was trying to say. Okay, next question. A little later, Grassley got what may have been his biggest applause of the day for answering a question on the Obama administration's efforts to reduce calories and mandate healthier foods in school lunches. Listen to this. I think that the hot lunch program needs to be revised and more flexibility for local schools. Even with an audience fixated on weed policy and school lunch, Grassley endeavors to answer every question, and he does it without a bit of impatience or condescension. And you know what? It works. And therein lies the lesson, I think, for caucus candidates. I told Jerry Crawford about that little thesis statement Grassley opens his town hall meetings with about the spirit of representative government and the importance of engagement between a representative and his constituents. And of course, he agreed. And he argued that in the context of the caucuses, the engagement that's possible here is not only valuable to Iowans and to candidates, but also to the national deliberation over our next president. Being there in Iowa provides a ground-level perspective and allows for up-close scrutiny on candidates it becomes infinitely more difficult as the campaign progresses. That's exactly right. And I think it's, uh, it's the very best uh, of what the caucuses provide uh, to this process. And it, doesn't, it happens a little bit in New Hampshire, but then forget about it. It's all tarmacs from that point on. Right, and TV. Yeah. Uh, money sort of takes over uh, in the process. I'm not blind to the caucus's flaws or dismissive of the valid arguments against them. Iowa is small and rural, and its demographics are unrepresentative. The caucus process is arcane, and the significance of the results it produces can easily be overstated. But there are real virtues, and being there, talking and listening to real people, is one of them. I'm Jason Noble, and this is the Des Moines Register's Three Tickets Podcast. In our next episode, we're going back on the road, this time to Iowa City, where we'll meet an Iowa entrepreneur for whom the caucuses are a business opportunity. There are a few updates on this episode that are common knowledge to most Iowans. Terry Branstad left his position as governor in 2017 to become President Donald Trump's ambassador to China. Kim Reynolds, his lieutenant governor, took over the job and won re-election in 2018. 
Senator Joni Ernst is facing her own re-election campaign in 2020. Jerry Crawford announced his endorsement of U.S. Senator Cory Booker for the presidential nomination in June 2019 and is a member of his Iowa Steering Committee. As of January 2020, only U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota and former Maryland Representative John Delaney have been to every county in Iowa during this caucus cycle, according to Campaign and Register records. Before we end, I want to make sure I thank everyone who helped us with this episode of Three Tickets. Thank you first and foremost to Katie Aiken, the producer of this episode. Thank you also to Rachel Stassenberger, politics editor at the Des Moines Register, Paige Windsor, our news director, and Carol Hunter, the paper's executive editor.